Today I'm continuing our series of sermons entitled Love One Another, in which we're looking at what Scripture tells us about how we're to treat one another, most especially how we treat one another as Christians. Scripture is very clear that we, as followers of Jesus, are called to a different set of rules, a different set of standards. We cannot live as the world lives, and especially that's true in our relationship with our Christian brothers and sisters. Today I want us to look at one of the next of these requirements about loving one another, and that is the command that we pray for one another. To begin, I want us to look at the words of the Apostle Paul as found in the letter to the church in Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, starting with verse 18. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. So today we're talking about prayer, specifically about praying for one another. But before we get into that, we need to talk about prayer in general. I think all of us would acknowledge that prayer is important. Everyone knows that, whether they especially like it or not. In fact, a few years ago, Newsweek magazine did a survey, and they discovered that 78% of all Americans, my apologies to our Canadian friends or people from other countries, but that was the survey, uh, 78% of all Americans pray at least once a week, 57% of Americans say they pray every day, Even 20% of those who profess to be either atheists or agnostics confess that they pray daily. On any given day, more people will pray than will go to work or exercise or have sex. What are all these people doing? What exactly is prayer? What is it they are entering into when they claim to pray? Well, very simply, prayer is talking to God. That's true, although by itself is not complete. It's not as far as it needs to go. But prayer begins by saying, it is us talking to God. To begin with, we have the example of Jesus' disciples going to him and saying to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And the response that they're given is the prayer that we just recited, the Lord's Prayer. And it's critical that we begin with, Lord, teach us to pray. Because learning to pray to God as he intends for us to begins by us going to God and asking him to teach us to pray. In fact, the difference between prayer that is spiritually mature and that which is immature is because the immature prayer always starts with what we want, with what we think we need. And a mature prayer always begins with what God wants. So, Lord, teach us to pray, as the disciples said to Jesus, is a great prayer in and of itself. Lord, teach us what it means to pray sincerely. Help me to be disciplined in prayer. Show me what I should be praying for. Give me prayer that is consistent with your will. This focus on God and praying as he wants us to pray is reflected in the order of petitions that Jesus then tells his disciples and that we just shared. In the Lord's Prayer, we note that it starts with Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It all starts with God. 
before we get to anything about ourselves or others in need. We start with acknowledging that God is Father. We recognize the holiness of His name. We declare the inevitability of the arrival of His eternal kingdom into our lives. We recognize His place enthroned in heaven and the need for His will to be made manifest in our lives and on all the earth. We begin with the focus on God, on His position, on His will before anything else. And that's critically important. Prayer is not intended to be merely a recitation of our Christmas list. So many people think that God is like a giant Santa Claus, and we go to Him and say, Dear God, I want a pony and a new truck and new tiles for the mirror door and quieter neighbors and on and on. No, we are not children and God is not Santa Claus. And every day is not supposed to be Christmas where we focus on telling God all the things that we've got on our list that we want from Him. That's why with the heavy emphasis we have on praying in our congregation, in our worship services, we do not begin with the prayer of petition. Have you noticed? We begin with a prayer of invocation and adoration in which we praise God and we ask Him to make us aware of His presence in our worship. We then pray a prayer of confession and ask for His forgiveness. And then we have a pastoral prayer that includes thanksgiving first before we go to God speaking of what our needs and the needs of others are. And that order is very important. Make no mistake, God tells us that we can come to Him and ask Him for what we need and even for the things that we want. He invites our requests and petition. Make your requests made known unto God, he says. And in fact, asking God to help us and to provide for our needs and the needs of others is itself an act of faith. It's an expression of the faith we have in God. When we go to God in prayer and we ask in faith for his help, we are defying the dominant paradigm in our world today and in our culture. Our world says there isn't anything spiritual, there's nothing supernatural in the world, we're alone, we're on our own, and we have to make it by our own effort and our own luck. But when we pray, the very act of prayer acknowledges that there is a God, that we are at core spiritual beings, and that there is a spiritual dimension to the world beyond what we can see or what we can physically affect. It's also an acknowledgement that the God who exists is a God who loves He loves us, He cares for us, and He wants to help us. So there certainly is nothing wrong with asking God to help us in our time of need. In fact, it is itself a critical act of faith. It's an affirmation of the dimension of life that's unseen and unmeasurable, that goes beyond our five senses, and the world in its supposed wisdom simply will never get that. We'll never be able to see that. And in that way... Prayer is an act of defiance against much of what is wrong in the world today. And in this way, prayer changes us. C.S. Lewis very famously said, and if you've seen the movie about Lewis's life, Shadowlands, he's quoted in that and he had written it, that prayer doesn't so much change God as it changes us. It enlarges our awareness of God and of the spiritual universe. It affirms our fundamental dependence upon God. It brings us more into relationship with God. It makes us more aware of the spiritual world, and it makes us greater people of faith. Prayer changes us, and it is worthwhile for that reason alone. But again, for too many of us, our petitions, our asking God for things, has become 
the entire total of our prayer life. As though God is some cosmic bellhop that we can ring up anytime we want and have Him put things in order for us. But we need to see prayer as more than just talking to God even, much less more than just asking Him for things. Because if we all think that prayer is just talking to God, then it very quickly will degrade into us ringing God up to give Him our laundry list for today. Prayer instead means to be present with God. There are a number of words in the New Testament for prayer. The one that is most often used is the word prosukomai. It's a Greek word that means to bring God in on it, literally. To have Him participate with us. And it means to have fellowship with God. Prayer in the deepest sense means for us to sit with God and learn what it means to be in a relationship with Him. To experience His presence in everyday things. There's a wonderful little book by Brother Lawrence called The Practice of the Presence of God in which he talks about how he has grown spiritually to the point where even when he's working in the kitchen peeling potatoes, he has an, a vivid sense of God's presence with him. That's what prayer is about, experiencing the presence of God, even if we're not speaking words to him. That's why we're told that when we pray to God, we should tell him our needs and the needs of others, even though he is all-knowing and he's fully aware of our needs. Why do we need to go to a God who knows everything and tell Him what our needs are? Well, it's because in a very mysterious way, God wants us to be in relationship with Him with regard to the things of this world. In a mysterious way, God wants us to be able to participate with Him in working out His will in the world. It's the same reason why God tells us to give to the the things of the kingdom, to give to the things of God. God doesn't need our money We need to give our money because in the process we are able to work with God to achieve His will. God calls on us to pray to Him not because He needs to find out what we need, but because He wants, in a mysterious way, to let us participate with Him in the working out of His will in the world. This is ultimately a mystery, and we have to confess that, that God wants us to participate with Him in how He manages the universe. And yet He invites us to talk to Him, to join with Him, in identifying and carrying out His will in the world. And a real key here, which we experience in the Lord's Prayer, is when Jesus taught His disciples to start out by saying, Our Father. Our relationship with God should be as a child to a loving Father. What kind of warped relationship would it be if we only went to our Father to tell Him when we wanted something? No expression of love, no giving of thanks for gifts given, no listening or sharing of thoughts or seeking of comfort or asking of questions or looking for guidance or when any one of the thousand other things that a loving father would provide in a healthy relationship between a father and child. When we are in our father's presence, we are told to pray for one another. We are to be more concerned about the needs of our brothers and sisters and also purely our relationship with God the Father before we start worrying about what we want. In fact, in our sermon text for today, Paul tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests and to keep on praying for God's people. We are to pray for one another. We are to come to God and to present one another to Him and ask for His blessing on those in our lives, the people you see sitting around you and others. 
We need to be more concerned with the needs of others than with our own needs. Very simply, we need to put others first and focus on what God desires to do for them and in their lives. But even so, another mystery about prayer is we have to admit that we don't always get everything we ask for in prayer, even when we do put others first. There are a lot of scripture verses that would seem to indicate whatever we ask in faith, God has to give us. Actually, it doesn't say that. Usually it's because they leave part of the verses off, either the beginning or the ending of that. It's when we come to him in his name, when we come to him in faith, which means we are open to what God desires. The fact is that when we pray, sometimes people get sick and they don't get better. People die, even the people we love and have prayed for. Pain doesn't always go away, and sometimes the bad guys win. Some people who pray and don't get what they ask for blame God for not responding the way they asked. And others end up blaming themselves or being blamed by leadership in the church that they had too little faith or they practiced too little prayer or they didn't pray in the right way. And so they end up spiritually wounded because of that. In fact, Scripture does not say that God will always give us everything we want or even exactly what we want when we ask for it. What it says is that God will always answer our prayers. God always answers prayers. The answer sometimes is not what we ask for. Sometimes it just doesn't appear to be what we wanted. Sometimes it almost seems like it's the opposite of what we ask for. When someone remains sick or dies, when pain is not removed, perhaps it even gets worse. But those are the times that we need to remember very simply that God is wiser than we are and he sees further than we do. It may be that God's answer is no, as hard as it is for us to take, because it's necessary for the sake of a far greater good than what we can see or realize. G.K. Chesterton, I often quote, often refer to as one of my heroes in the faith. Chesterton, when he was a young man, he was engaged to his soon-to-be wife, Frances, and he was traveling with his family in continental Europe when his sister's Uh, His fiancée's sister, Gertrude, was killed in an accident with a bus. Gertrude was a committed Christian, and when she died in this accident, Chesterton's fiancée, Frances, was devastated. She was destroyed by the loss of her sister, whom she loved very dearly. And Chesterton, who wasn't there to comfort her in person, wrote a letter to her. And in that letter, he said that though they rightly mourned Gertrude's absence as she has died... They must realize, as Chesterton says, there must have been a very great need indeed somewhere else in the universe that God required her presence there. I think Chesterton has it right. Whatever you think about cosmology and works in other parts of the universe, the point is that no matter how hard or how painful something may be, we need to understand that God is always acting for the best for our best and for the best of his entire creation, even when we can't see how that is true. Our loss may well be critical for a far greater good that we don't understand. And all we have to do to realize that is remember that the greatest loss in all of history, which was the betrayal and suffering and death of the Son of God on the cross, was not understood by Jesus' followers until later. 
I'm sure that the disciples and Jesus' mother Mary must have been asking God to keep Jesus from being executed right up until the time of his death. Even Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane asked that he not have to go through this. Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But then he was wise enough to say, yet not my will, but your will be done. And we need to recognize that the salvation of every one of us, the salvation of all who will accept Jesus Christ, was dependent upon God the Father not saying yes to that prayer. Because the right answer was no. The greater good was served when God the Father said no. Even though it was very difficult to see. And we didn't understand it until later. That's very clearly, we need to understand that God doesn't promise he'll always give us what we ask for. In the 11th chapter of Luke, after talking about prayer... Jesus says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to get good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In theological terms, this is what's known as a head fake. Because Jesus is rolling along talking about prayer and talking about fathers giving good gifts to their children. And then all of a sudden, he says, when we ask our Father in heaven, he will give us the Holy Spirit to those who ask. How and why did the Holy Spirit sneak into that conversation about prayer? Well, actually, this is the key to everything Jesus teaches us about prayer. And it's the thing that we most often miss about Christian prayer. Jesus has promised us that when we pray, God will hear us and he will answer us. But the critical point is that how God promises to answer and what he promises when we pray is that he will give us a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit. How do you think that Christians for the last 2,000 years have been asking God for various things, including preservation and persecution? They haven't gotten them, and yet still they had faith. How is it that so many of our brothers and sisters have prayed for the healing of a sick loved one, and yet the loved one died, and still they had faith? How many times have Christians prayed for protection from evil and oppression, yet still the oppression came, but the faith of the believers was not destroyed, but even made stronger? In fact, the strength of Christians in the face of terrible persecution has been one of the greatest witnesses to the truth of the gospel down through the centuries. The secret to understanding that, I believe, is that God has not promised he would always give us what we ask for because we often don't see the world clearly. We don't know the right thing. But God has said that he will always answer our prayers by giving us the comfort, the encouragement, the understanding, and the faith that comes from a greater indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God may not provide the healing that you ask for, but he will provide the Holy Spirit's comfort in the midst of the suffering. And someday all of that suffering will be taken away and there will be no mourning or crying or pain or death. That's the promise. The Holy Spirit teaches us to pray and he prays for us and through us when we don't know what to pray for or what to ask for. In fact... Paul tells us in Romans that the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't have words, with groanings too deep for words. 
The point is that God wants us to be in relationship with Him, and so He wants us to pray, which is what prayer is, relationship with God. But He's promised to teach us to pray and help us in the process. He's told us the right order of prayers, an order that is critically important. We are to begin with praising God for who He is, to adore Him and to worship Him. Then we are to confess our own sins and ask for forgiveness. Then we are to ask for the needs of others, our brothers and sisters, for the needs in the world. And then we are to ask God for our own needs. If we keep that in order, it makes all the difference in the world. So praise God and invite His presence in your life. Then confess your sins. Ask for and receive His forgiveness. Thank God for His many blessings. And then pray for the needs of others, especially your brothers and sisters in the faith as Paul told us. And finally, tell God about your own needs, because he does want to hear. And ask him for the wisdom to understand his will and to receive the Holy Spirit's comfort and encouragement in that. That really is what prayer is all about. Amen.